There's one thing that every business has in common. We all have financials. So today I invite an accountant from Blummer CPAs, Mr. Jason Blummer in to talk about financials for your business. But more importantly, Jason specializes in being an accountant for only advertising agencies and creatives. This is the AdCast. You're listening to the AdCast. There's three things that I tell people to focus on. That's your budget, your media, and your message. People don't call it the truth. Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. If you hustle, you'll never go hungry. Hustle and motivate. Hustle and motivate. That's why they follow me, huh? They think I know the way. You're listening to the AdCast. Welcome back to another week and another episode of Your Daily Development. And today, I know you guys hear me say this often, I am really pumped to have this guy on the line with us today. His name is Mr. Jason Blummer of Blummer CPAs. Jason, tell the folks hello. What's up, Eric? Thanks for having me, man. Hello, folks. Hello, listeners. Uh, This is exciting. I'm pumped to be on the show, man. If he isn't the coolest accountant in the world, I'll tell you, I don't know what else is. So, Jason, we always love to be respectful of our listeners' time, but I would love for you to introduce yourself to our audience, yours and mine, Uh, So, because I figure we'll probably share this with your audience as well, but please introduce yourself. Cool. Okay, so I'm the CEO. I have a couple of companies, and I have a partner that helps me run those two companies. And the the one we're probably going to talk a lot about today is Blummer CPAs, which is I've been leading this virtual CPA firm for over 14 years, I guess. And we're, um, we are virtual, so we have team members kind of scattered around the country, and we serve specifically the creative uh, agency, design marketing, development um, community all over the U.S. Uh, so we do handle that back-end financial support, but we also do coaching and consulting to help those agencies grow as well. So that's, that's who I am. And I do a lot of writing and podcast, uh, podcasting online. That's right. Uh, Jason also has a, a podcast called Businessology. I've uh, actually uh, did some binge listening on your podcast as well. So very, very insightful. So Jason, um, accounting for ad agencies, we are the most ADD uh, people in the world. You know, so let's talk about that because I think this is a really important part of of business. And a lot of folks, they don't realize that if they don't run the back office right, the front can just shut down. Everything can shut down. So uh, I want to ask you first off, Jason, what made you choose to work with the creative and ad agencies? I mean, you could have worked with any industry in the world, but why this one? Yeah. You know, I think I think a lot of people or a lot of companies that do offer niche services or niche in some type of um, industry, uh, a lot of times what happens is that industry finds them. So it just kind of forms over time. A lot of people want to choose one, and you can do that, and that's fine. Uh, But a lot of times, if you're a general type firm, we were kind of general. We had an office, and we were serving a lot of people. We just started getting a couple of creative type agencies. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they would refer people like themselves to us, and then we just started um, you kind of morph into it over time, and then you can start saying we're an expert, you know, in this industry. Um, maybe when you have two, you can say you're an expert. Uh, <laughs> no, not really. Um, but that's what a lot of people do. 
Um, so once you become uh, an expert, then you there's just you can continue to narrow more and more uh, to focus on that niche. Uh, you don't have to do that, but that's what we've done. We've really taken some, I guess, some considerable risk to focus on just one industry. So it just morphed over time as we got uh, more and more creative clients and they referred their friends. And, and then we, you know, started a podcast four years ago to really focus on that industry and start really speaking to them and helping them understand what it means to grow their companies. Well, hopefully the risk has paid off for you, Jason. Now, a lot of your clients, do you advise your clients? I may be jumping ahead a little bit here, but do you ever advise them to niche as well? You know, I think um, I think niching is a good practice. I think anytime any business really commits to some kind of focus, uh, that's what a niche does. It becomes a focus for you and it helps you uh, know why you're doing what you're doing. Um, so depending on what the goals of the agency is, yeah, we would say, uh, we would say develop a niche if that's what, if that's what they want to do. Some want to be a generalist type agency mm-hmm. uh, and that's fine. So there's a certain business model that'll support a general agency and there's a certain business model that'll support a niche. But it is important to remember that the, you know, we don't just do a niche because we've just read articles that, that, that that's what you do. You're, you're actually committing to a niche because you have some expertise. And if you do have an expertise, committing to a niche isn't just a positioning type, you know, claim that you make. It's a claim to expertise. And you do that, you make a claim to expertise because you can make more money when you do that because experts just always make more money. So that's the end reason as to why you would have a niche. Um, It, issue on where to do your marketing and who to speak to and things like that. Um, but just because you have a niche doesn't mean the clients are going to flood in. Right. Uh, we, we found the more narrow you commit to a niche, actually, the more um, you, you have to be better and better at your marketing. So as you narrow your market and you're talking to less and less people, your marketing has to be more and more targeted, more sophisticated. And a lot of people don't know there's that other side of the balance that the, the narrower you go, the more focused your marketing and targeting has to be. That's true. Uh, one thing uh, we had a guest on, Jim Doyle, who's actually a, a, a leading expert in, in advertising and marketing. One thing that we always say is if you try and be all things to all people, you wind up being nothing to no one. And I think that's true as well. True. That yeah. is so true. It is. Yeah. And, and that's why making a, making a claim to expertise really is a great way to make more money. Do you find that, let's talk about the ad agency owners, the ADD folks, you know, the folks who can't sit down too long, who don't have all minute for the microwave to pop, if you know what I mean. Like for the, for these folks, do you find that a lot of ad agency owners are great in their position or great at advertising and presenting, but horrible at the business end of it? Well, you know, they're probably like any normal business owner. They're, they're not, I mean, as a general rule, they struggle to do both of those, mm-hmm. <laughs> really, we found. Um, and that's kind of like the, the cobbler's children, you know, effect. The cobbler's children don't even have shoes. And so even, you know, these agencies who are good at crafting strategy and positioning for their clients don't often do it for themselves so well. I agree. Um, so, uh Probably, probably the point of your question was, are they bad at business? But actually, the positioning piece they also struggle with, just like any business owner, because they're busy 
And probably the last client you work on is yourself. So you're not updating your site. You're not doing your positioning. I mean, we struggle with that too. Um, but yeah, the, the back end, the business back end is also hard. They don't necessarily see value in financials. Uh, so they don't really make a concerted effort to, uh, to craft those financials or to, or to invest in people who would make those financial numbers for them to look at mm-hmm. because ultimately they didn't probably wouldn't know what to look at if they had it. So, um, but I think if you're not operating with your numbers in front of you very regularly, you really are operating blind. You kind of aren't knowing if, if what you're doing is working and financials aren't necessarily strategic. They don't tell you what to do in the future, but they do tell you historically, is my business model working? That is, is it valuable? Does it produce a profit? And you kind of just need to know that. Yeah, I made some profit this month. That basically tells you uh, your income exceeded your expenses. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It gets more detailed after that, but you really need to know if that's true or not. Let's just say like this, uh, because I think the days of, you know, uh, former media people jumping out on their own and hanging a shingle and starting an agency, I think it's it's becoming very hard for them to get out and do it because technology and advertising has changed so much. What are some of the first things that you would advise a new client or a new business? Let's just say if they reached out to you and said, Jason, I want you to handle our financials and coaching, which we'll talk about later. What are some of the things that you would advise them on out the gate? So you, um, you have to know what type of entity you want to set up. So a lot of people start with an LLC, just a single member LLC is what they call it, and with one owner. And that's fine. That's an okay way to start. Uh, if you're starting with two people, you can also start with a multi-member LLC. Mm-hmm. They're both just LLCs. You just kind of say got two owners or one owner when you're uh, setting it up uh, with the Secretary of State in the state you want to organize in. So just get you an LLC, and that's fine. Um, what that does is it just separates uh, the activities of the company uh, from you personally. You could get it an incorporated entity too. Uh, the LLC and the corporation are really going to operate the same way, um, you know, ultimately when you're filing tax returns. Um, not totally, but uh, either way, the corporate entity that you can get or you can get an LLC, both of those are going to give you some limited protection so mm-hmm. that uh, if you do anything that's uh, that you shouldn't have done, at least your personal uh, your personal assets are protected. So that's really the first thing you got to do. And then you really need to be tracking your accounting in some way. Uh, most of the time, the system you use to do invoicing uh, is also an accounting system. That's not always true. Like Harvest is, that is an invoicing system, but it's not an accounting system. So mm-hmm. you got to do invoicing. Uh, you got to track your invoices, who's paying you and who's not. You got to track whatever you track to create the invoice. So it might be time. So you need to be able to capture time. Uh, And then you have to have an accounting system that's closed out monthly um, because you have to be looking at your numbers. So, um, And a lot of times if you're just starting, you're hanging out your shingle for the first time. The owner's doing all that, and that's okay. That's typically how you start a small business is the owner does everything as well as the creative type stuff too. Uh, And then once you grow, you can start, you know, thinking through the strategy of investing in the people that can help you either do, you know, some of the technical creative work for your clients or do some of the administrative operational things uh, behind the scenes. So uh, you got to get some of the basic financials and the entity set up just to get cranking. Now, now that's that's very insightful. Um, 
one of the things you mentioned about the financial system is knowing who's paying you, what you owe, that kind of stuff. But one of the things that I've found in, in talking with a lot of other agency owners, and even we had the begin, we had this trouble years ago when we first started too, was how do you price? And I think a lot of agency owners they they're afraid to price, you know, versus uh, giving value pricing. And I know you, uh, I, I heard a podcast that you and I think Dan had some time ago, and we talked about value pricing. If you don't mind, Jason, can you go into that? just a little bit for the folks who are still charging by the hour. Yeah, that's fine. So um, a lot of times, um, most a lot of people just start billing by the hour, you know, and if that's a model for you, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Choosing your rates is a big deal. Sometimes people assign rates by person. They'll assign them by the type of work they do. Sometimes they do blended rate mm-hmm. uh, where everybody shares some type of rate. Sometimes they have tiered rates. Uh, you know, if you're doing strategy, it's this. You're doing development, it's this. Creative is this. Um, so you got to have a rate, uh, and you're billing by the hour. And basically, um, that's just an accumulation of time, which produces an invoice, and then you send that to the client. Uh, so a lot of people that want to move to uh, pricing or value pricing, uh, they'll take a next step after that, and they'll do something called fixed pricing. Um, and fixed pricing is uh, it is a set price for a service that you apply to all clients. Like uh, if I want to do a website, um, it's maybe it's a templated website, and all of those are $2,500 mm-hmm. uh, just out of the gate. So that would be a fixed price. You might put that on your website and say all you know websites start at $2,500 or whatever. Um, and then th- that supplies uh, to every client that may come in the door. So that's a fixed price. And then you may go up even a further step and do something called value pricing. Wow. Um, you're, you don't have to do any, you know, you don't have to do any uh, billing by the hour if you don't want. Sometimes, sometimes people still track their hours internally just for capacity and resource management and uh, managing projects, and that's fine. But when you're value pricing, the price is based on the customer. So fixed pricing is where you're pricing your services. Value pricing is where you're pricing the customer. The customer has a price. So that human is the one that perceives value in what they're doing. So, and that's the, that's really a, the hardest way to price. It's the slowest way to do it because you have to have multiple meetings. You got to get pretty intimate with a client. You got to figure out what their struggles are. You got to figure out how to really help them. Uh, and if you're an expert, you know, and you're dealing with somebody that's in your industry, um, you get to claim expertise. So your prices are automatically a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times you have to do things in kind of an onboarding phase uh, of that client to prove your expertise. So you got to get them to trust you so that when you do deliver a price, they're ready to accept a price that's going to be substantially higher than another agency. They might have pitching their work. So uh, so there's kind of a tiered way you can go from billing up to pricing. It's kind of a step phase. Um, and I would say do that because they, they disrupt your business model as you move into different types of pricing models. It really will change how you operate internally. And sometimes that disruption is kind of surprising to the owners. Wow, Jason, uh, this is a lot and this is so helpful. We are going to take a break really quick and we're going to come right back and we're going to finish up and we're going to Go back to value pricing and fixed pricing. Jason, you, I think you just heated up my microphone, man. <laughs> awesome, All right, man. we'll take a break. You don't need a marketing agency. 
You do deserve very important placement. VIP Marketing and Advertising is a cutting-edge strategic digital, creative, media, and marketing partner that provides services for businesses of all sizes. To stay up to date on the latest marketing news, subscribe for email updates at veryimportantplacement.com. We are back from our break with none other than Mr. Jason Blummer of Blummer's CPAs, and he just talked about pricing, which is a huge component of ad, any ad agency. So, Jason, we, we just left off and we were talking about the benefits of each of these pricings, uh, hourly, fixed, and value pricing. So uh, let's go back to the value pricing because I, I had a question about that. Uh, do, you f- do you run into agencies sometimes where uh, they may provide a little too much value to a client and sometimes they may be losing money? How do you coach them through that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's typically one of the standard things uh, when we start coaching agencies. Some of the basics we know are just a few things we know when we start coaching agencies is a lot of times they're serving the wrong client base. That's often an anchor to hold you back in your growth. So that's typically a very common thing we see. Um, and they're often not pricing uh, high enough. They're not pricing uh, what their value is. And, and then a lot of times another common thing we see is that there's a lot of hidden value mm-hmm. in the service that a lot of agencies uh, give. And they don't notice it because they've just done it uh, over and over. But, um, you know, if, like, for example, if you build a website um, and you also do a good bit of strategic work in that, you know, especially if you're doing marketing, there's some mm-hmm. strategy, there's some content. A lot of times we find agencies are throwing a lot of that stuff in and they don't think about it when, if you're doing value pricing proposals and you're in one basic tenant to value pricing is just always do three options, a high, middle, low. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you can start carving out a lot of those pieces. You can say strategy, content, social management, and, you know, website, that's option one. And then you can start taking some of those valuable things out as you move down to option two and three um, and give the option to the client to choose a lower price. But, you have to take some of the value out so that you're not giving value away that they're not paying for. And so what we find is a lot of agencies um, just dump it all in a big bucket and they don't really tell anybody what they're doing. And so there's a lot of hidden value. uh, And so they end up not being paid for a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be paid for them, then you pull it out and tell the client, we're going to start with a half day strategy, you know, talk or whatever we do to brainstorm ideas. Well, that's a price. Uh, we don't have to do that, but that is part of what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a price for that, uh, but you can't throw that stuff in or you can't ever ask for a price because if the client doesn't see and perceive the value, you can't actually ask them to pay for it. So the it, value has to be really explicit uh, for a client to, to perceive its value and then to be asked to pay for it. That's a key. Do you think some agencies are afraid to price? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fear is a huge component uh, in pricing. It does take a lot of bravery. It's uh, it's very different. It feels different. Sometimes when I'm coaching with um, with agency owners, one one practice we go through is just uh, for me to ask them to double their price on the next proposal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there, there's work to do to do that. So you can't just, you know, double the thing you're doing and expect to get paid double. So we have to work through well, if you want to double your price, what's double your value? Let's see what's what's double the value you normally deliver. So, so then the agency owner I'm coaching has to be creative enough to 
you know, make up these things that this client may need. Maybe, maybe starting to add in building customer personas or something like that, something right. they've never done before, uh, something that would prove and represent or justify a double the price. And a lot of times the, the agency owner may or may not win that price, but what I want them to do is I want them to feel what it feels like to offer higher numbers and to, to be able to back those up and say what those are. And it's, it's a, there's a lot of practice and skill to selling a $25,000 website than there is a $9,000 website. It feels different. It's scarier. Uh, it, it requires a lot more bravery and confidence. So uh, there, those are components we have to practice and go through in coaching if you really want to grow your agency and start delivering some huge value to your clients. I agree with you. I mean, you know, I've, I've told our team, let's just say our production team, just, you know, me being a little personal here, um, we made an effort not to take, you know, just a bunch of lower end jobs that'll keep us busy and just kind of do more quality work. One, it helps us deliver better work to a client, you know, versus taking the occasional, you know, uh, in and out, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, you know, here's a quick ad, you know, type stuff. We, we tend to take on projects that we can kind of spend more time on, and, and that way we can deliver a better better product to a client where hopefully we're showing them value in what we can do. So I, I totally agree with you there. Totally agree with you. Now, what are the benefits of uh, an agency doing uh, fixed pricing versus hourly pricing? So, um, so a lot of times, uh, you know, both of those are going to have some kind of speed to the business model. So you want some fluidity to your business model, meaning you want things to go pretty quickly through that business model. Um, so if you if you have billing, if you're billing by the hour, um, if you want to produce your invoices and produce your income, uh, a lot of times you got to you have to have a process of accumulating those hours. And a lot mm -hmm. of times that's being done in a piece of software. But somebody's got to accumulate it. Somebody's got to remind people to key in their hours. Somebody's got to review it. Then you may mark it up or mark it down. So, um, but if you move to fixed pricing, um, it actually can move faster. You can actually produce pricing uh, more quickly. Uh, whereas on the hourly billing side, you might not have to pitch. You know what you're doing. A lot of times, if you do hourly billing, that means you don't have to pitch a price up front, or you're actually doing fixed pricing. But if you're fixed pricing and the price is the same no matter who which client comes in the door, then that's a much faster way uh, to, to price and bring clients in. So if you know all of your websites are going to be, begin at you know $2,500, then you can, you can create some kind of heavy volume and start moving clients through your business model a little bit faster mm -hmm. uh, because the owner doesn't have to price. And that's typically, that's typically the struggle. Uh, in pricing, as you move towards pricing and away from billing, you're you're kind of you're kind of handcuffing the owner into that process because typically you're selling at a value pricing level and you're selling big projects. The owner is the one that knows the philosophy and the service philosophy of the firm, right? And they're the ones that are typically having to do a lot of the sales. So, um, so as you move up from billing to value pricing, you're kind of you're actually adding more friction into your business model where the owner has to start meeting humans more. You have to start having more meetings. Uh, and that, that slows down the process of bringing in projects and bringing in money, but hopefully you're bringing them in at higher levels of volume. 
but in the lower levels, the billing, the fixed pricing, those are activities that other people other than the owner can do. So they make moving projects and money into the firm a good bit quicker. So those are just some differences between how the business models may work. Now, you just said uh, moving money into the firm quicker. Now, is it better for agencies to bill beforehand before they do the work, or is it better for them to do the billing afterwards? I know in some cases you can bill 50% of a project up front, and then you bill the other 50% upon completion. But what's what's better for an agency? Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, that that's actually uh, some main differences between uh, billing and pricing. But what the phrases mean is billing means you're always sending an invoice after a service is completed, uh, whereas pricing, you're always creating the pricing and sometimes the invoicing before the service is completed. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of psychology behind that to moving the pricing after the service or before the service because humans who want a service uh, – they will automatically always count something more valuable that they don't have. Uh, but if they've already gotten something, then they'll often complain more if they've gotten an invoice billed after the fact because they've already had the service delivered. It's harder to see the value in it. Uh, and a lot of times I use, you know, if you know, if if you're in an office and you have a bottle of water, you're fine. Uh, you, you wouldn't pay much for that bottle of water. But if you've been in the desert for a week with no water. That's it's something you don't have. So the value to you as a human in the desert is exponentially higher. And that's kind of some of the human psychology you're dealing with uh, between billing uh, and pricing. Uh, So one comes before the service is delivered and one comes after. But I would say, or at least we tell our clients, um, we want to separate the creation of invoices and getting that money in the door. We want to separate that from the services being delivered. Mm hmm. Uh, a lot of times agencies will attach their invoicing to the milestones in the project. Um, and what that does is it gives power to the client to hold up your money. Oh, great. Great point. Yeah. If they have to approve a milestone, then they're the ones that hold your invoice in their hands and you want to avoid that. So you just separate those two. Uh, and a lot of times, uh, irrespective of the statement of work or whatever scope you have documented with client, just, uh, get some cash down, 50% down, uh, and then you do, you know, 20, another 20, 15% or whatever uh, at just very specific dates in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we would always say a smart, any smart business owner is going to try, if you can, to get as much cash down as you can. I mean, if you could get the whole thing, why not try it? Right. Um, but of course, that, that probably won't always work. But you want to try to get um, as much cash down as you can. So if you can get 50% down as a policy, then, then do it. I, you know, I think 20% is more of a regular thing that we hear that people try to get down. Wow, Jason, we are going to leave it there. What a great tail end to pricing. So we're going to leave it there. I think we have so much, Jason, that we should probably do an episode two. What do you think? Let's do it, dude. <laughs> hey, it's Eric here for our sponsors, Craft Creative. Now, when you're marketing and advertising, the name of the game is going to always be attention. But when all eyes are on you, you got to make it count. For premium video production and graphic design, visit Craft Creative at WeCraftCreative.com. We don't make commercials. We craft creative. I am wearing the same clothes, Jason. I don't know about you, but... This is going to be episode two for the folks who are under a rock. Jason, please tell these folks exactly who you are and what you do. (laughs) Very cool. Um, 
Yes, I'm wearing the same clothes too. So we just <laughs> recorded episode one. <laughs> um, so, so I lead Blummer CPAs, which is a virtual CPA firm. Um, we're really a growth consultancy firm where we'll still do the back office of the accounting tax, payroll, uh, technology support, and things like that. But we uh, consult with agency owners. We coach with them. Uh, we help them adjust their business models and uh, become stronger leaders in our firm. So we have a team of about nine uh, and we operate with that team virtually, and we serve uh, as a specific niche, creative design, marketing, uh, and ad agencies all over the U.S. And I've been, did I say I've been doing this for about 14 years? Jason, that's some good stuff, man. Um, I want to jump right in because the last episode, we talked about pricing a great deal. And, and I think that's very helpful to uh, a lot of listeners out there, regardless of what your business is. Um, but just in researching Jason, Jason's not just an accountant, but he's also a coach. And Jason, if you could explain that to me, what coaching is from your perspective to a business. Yeah, so a lot of times when we pitch coaching, it is it is really a misunderstood uh, service. It's more like uh, a, a business psychologist, really. So a coach, a trained coach or a skilled coach, and I've just been doing it for many years, really helps an agency owner think more deeply about their purposes and their processes. And so uh, as a coach, we dive deeply into the risks you should be taking, and then we can hit any aspect of the business uh, related to growth. It could be hiring, firing, the client base, pricing, uh, different business models, you know, uh, trying to create new levels of management and leadership, how to train leaders and things like that. So uh, we find that these uh, agency owners rarely stop to think about why do I run my business in the way that I run it? And a coach is that trusted, intimate person that you've given the right to ask those hard questions of. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a little bit different than consulting. Consulting, we also do that sometimes. And that's where we're trying to create expert guidance and opinions for people to employ in their company. But a coach is really uh, their private uh, counseling sessions to help the owner uh, work through some of the fears and the struggles they're having. Uh, and a coach can often see very, uh, in, in major ways, they can see some big uh, areas that uh, the owner is struggling to grow in. And so if there's a trusted relationship, uh, they can point those out. They can ask those hard questions. Uh, and so before we get started we, with people when we coach, we just have them do a, um, a quick coaching assessment so we can learn more about what they think about coaching, a personality profile. Uh, and then the first session, typically we're trying to find out where are you going because coaching is basically trying to find out where are you going, where are you now, and what is the process to get from point A to point B. And then a coach always brings some level of accountability uh, in that to follow up what date are you doing that, how are you doing it, when are you going to do it, and there's a little bit of pressing that the coach kind of does on that agency owner and forces them to put some traction or execution to some of their growth decisions. No, uh, a, a coach is not a friend, you know, they're not a mentor. A mentor is typically an older person that just gives sage advice. Uh, they're definitely not friends. We're not, we can't be friends with the people we coach, mm -hmm. um, but they are uh, almost like a counselor. basically. Wow. Good point. I mean, one of the questions I, w I wanted to ask you when it came into coaching, do you find that, uh, pleasantries can get in the way like uh, from your end do you worry about being too nice to a client or someone else that you have to coach 
Um, you know, I, th- I think we can, we can be nice cause we do really love our clients. We mm-hmm. can be nice. Um, now, but we do often see that coaching relationships veer into places that are unhealthy. That, right. that can be common. Uh, a lot of times coaching is something you do for a period of time, but you don't do it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, un- unless there's some kind of strategic initiative that some fast growing company always needs help working through, then a coach could be with you for a long period of time. But mm-hmm. for the small, normal small business owner, a coach can really kickstart some growth, help you to start to think. But a lot, not a lot, but there are times when small business agency owners could get too reliant on their coach. They mm-hmm. want to talk about things that are not really things you know worth talking about. So, for example, I'm, you know, I'm not skilled at dealing with some, you know, just some personal struggles that some people may face, like alcoholism or something like that. Or right. if there's a marriage issue that's affecting an agency owner, those are things I can't deal with. But they do bleed over sometimes. So we have to go, you know, that's something I don't I'm not able to deal with you on because we're focused on the growth of your business. So uh, it doesn't happen often because we do try to tell our clients exactly what coaching is going to be like. We have Mm -hmm. a four page document. We have them read so they can understand what coaching is about. Um, So it, it doesn't normally get in the way, but it can when there's too much heavy reliance on the coach for things that a coach shouldn't be helping with then we have to kind of start adjusting the relationship or, or cut it off. Or, or just say time out, just like normal coaches do, call a time out. Yeah. <laughs> I agree yep. with you. Yep, that's now, right. Early, that's you talked right. about yep. the purposes and processes and risk and growth. Now, how, how important is it for agencies? Because you are a business, uh, and sometimes your business can fluctuate. Mm-hmm. How important is it for them to set up budgets or KPIs for their businesses uh, key performance indicators, so they know, hey, this is where we need to be. Do you help them with that? And also, how important is that, Jason? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we definitely help them with that. Um, one thing we do like people to know is that, um, you know, financial reporting with KPIs or metrics, we like to, you know, issue some labor metrics and some benchmarking metrics for our for some of our clients that opt into some of those options or budgets. We like to remind them that they're just tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not going to make you do anything. They're not going to create money. They just are tools to give you awareness. They give you awareness. So um, we've actually done some of that stuff with them. Even things like us meeting, like our CPAs that will meet with a client on a monthly basis to go over their financials. That also is just a tool to help you become aware of where you stand as an agency. But the agency owner still has to you know, enact some of those things. They have to they have to act on the information they're being given. So we would say it's extremely important to have uh, those pieces of information, but they're not magical things. Like great things aren't going to happen just because you have budgets. You could, and so we see a lot of agencies commit huge amounts of details to Mm -hmm. create very detailed accounting reporting, huge amounts of details to manage budgets that flow forward. They spend so much time building and tracking these things they're never stepping back to a 30,000 foot view and go, where does our company look broken based upon what our financials are saying? Mm -hmm. And what should we go do differently now? What new risks should we take or what investments should we make or, or who's the wrong team member? Where are the wrong clients that we're serving? And so they, they, 
sometimes they don't step back and make the hard decisions and assessments that the numbers are just supposed to give you a tool to help you make those bigger, better decisions. Well, the numbers do tell a story. And I think sometimes we, we actually we actually get lost in the numbers. Um, how can how can they make smarter decisions and, and, and with things like hiring, location? You know, uh, when do they know it's, oh, this is the right time for me to hire someone? Or when is it time for me to fire someone? Wow. That just that does depend on each agency owner. And what it always depends on is where you're going. So when anybody asks, how do you make some of those growth decisions? We always say it depends. Tell me where you're going. Mm -hmm. And um, some may say, well, I want to stay the same size. Well, then I'm like, okay, well, then maybe an investment in some kind of office building is not the thing you should do. Or I want to double next year. Well, then that changes the decisions we make based upon, you know, how you spend uh, money on office, your, your office area. So um, it just always depends where, where is an agency trying to get to? And that, and a lot of agencies don't know. So that's what coaching does. It tries to vet out where are we all headed? Um, and let's, let's make sure we're all walking towards that point because there's so many detailed things that distract us, right? Like if you, like, one very distracting thing is if you have a wrong team member that really is not rowing in the same direction with the rest of your team. Right. And if you struck, if you struggle with that, you're going to have to stop and really deal with those issues. And it's going to take you a long time. And so it'll distract you and make you think this is hard or it's not right. When really you may be walking in the right direction uh, towards your, your end point of growth. Um, but those details sometimes confuse you. So um, I think one thing to make those hiring and those, decisions about money that you would invest in or people that you invest in. Um, I think you have to be looking at your numbers on a regular basis. And we like agencies to look at more summarized information. So instead of showing you a full set of, you know, in, you know, financial statements on your profit and loss statement, we would want, we want to summarize that into something we call an agency metric spreadsheet and show you how it compares with other goal type percentages that most agencies should be uh, targeting. Uh, and then we just want to know, how are you doing? Uh, and then feed some labor metrics to you. Make sure you're getting the right leverage on your labor. That is, you're producing the right gross profit uh, from your leverage, from your labor spend. Um, and when we issue summarized financial information that really there's not much information on that, that spreadsheet that we display, it basically highlights the issues. It goes, bam, now that we've squished a 30-line set of financial statements down into a seven-line financial statement, now you can start to see the problems kind of squish out. You can start seeing, you can start to see what's going on. And now we're going, now we, now we see the big problem here. And that's what you go focus on. Wow. The money is the numbers. I, I ran across an interesting quote from uh, the world famous Bob Marley. And it said, money is mm, numbers. It says money is numbers and numbers never end. If it takes money to be happy, your search mm. for happiness will never end. Wow. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. That's right. What we're going to do is we're going to go pay some bills real quick, and we're going to come right back. So stay tuned. You don't need a marketing agency. You do deserve very important placement. VIP Marketing and Advertising is a cutting-edge strategic digital, creative, media, and marketing partner that provides services for businesses of all sizes. To stay up to date on the latest marketing news, subscribe for email updates at veryimportantplacement.com. Jason, let's talk about being compliant with, you know, state and local taxes, federal taxes. This is something that your firm does as well. So it's not like you only do it for 
the the business was a lot of business owners are tied their personal financials are tied to the business and your firm helps out with that as well right that's right yeah so we want to what we've what we've committed to is we want to contract with businesses only so we just want to work with agencies mm-hmm. uh, so we don't contract with any individuals but we always do the individual owners tax returns as well because that because like you said eric it they're intimately tied and a lot of a lot of small business agencies, the profit just flows out of that business into the personal owner's tax return, as you know. So for a lot of folks that think that, uh, you know, they don't take their numbers seriously, Jason, what kind of things can happen to their business that if you've, that you've seen from folks who don't listen to the coaching or that don't have a good back office, what happens to the business then? Because that's the scary side of the business that every business owner should pay attention to. Oh yeah, well you know one of the one of the most common uh, things that happens is uh, the business owner doesn't really know where they're going or, or or where they're headed, and and a lot of times when they first talk to us, they're very confused. They're like, "This is just really hard. I don't know why it's hard. Uh, I can't pinpoint. Is it is it this team issue? Is it my pricing? Is it my business model? Is it my sales process?" There's just so much they don't know. There's so many confusing parts, you know, to what they're doing. Um, so if they're not looking at these regular financial statements and minding, you know, their back office, it just gets confusing. And then what happens when they don't know what's going on? Typically the owner is, you know, cause the owners, you know, they have all the risk. So they're the ones working late at night, working all weekend. And so the owner becomes overwhelmed and burdened. Uh, and they're picking up the slack when things are dropping. A lot of times, you know, small businesses don't really commit to creating uh, solid processes, mm-hmm. which are really hard to do. You know, it takes a lot of time to create oh, it those does. things. It's, it real, does. it's really, really hard. So what happens is a lot of times that agency owner just ends up being overwhelmed uh, because they're just picking up the slack of all the things that are dropping. And, and you know, what hurts even more is they don't really know what is the cause of this thing. And so coaching a lot of times vets out those top three issues and we start working on the things that are going to create a healthier business Wow, that's for, right. for the Have, company and the owner. That's right. Having processes in place. If you're managing your people, something's wrong with your processes. If you're managing your processes, something's wrong with your people. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. kind of cool. So, you know, Jason, uh, we're getting close to the end here, but... I want to ask you this, uh, being a virtual accountant like you are, there's re- there's no drawbacks to that. I mean, if, if any business owner thinks about it now, their accountant that they may have within their city or a few miles away, they're virtual as well, you know? So, yes, I mean, right, yeah. <laughs> so how is that being a virtual accountant? I mean, does is there any limitations to it at all? Well, you know, there's... Um one thing about a virtual company is that everything is hidden. It's all hidden. Um, so there's nothing that's not hidden unless you unhide it. And that basically means your team really is in their house doing things. They're, they're doing things and you don't know what they're doing. Whereas in an office, you don't realize this. I mean, we went from an office to being virtual. We became virtual about five years ago mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's just such a huge difference. In an office, you kind of just glance around and you see what's happening. You know what's happening. You kind of know the projects people might be working on. But in an environment uh, where everything's virtual, uh, you become very blind. And so what you have to do is build a lot of processes around, um, you know, 
revealing these things, helping these things to be known. And um, it's it's very different. And, and what we did is we made a lot of assumptions that our in-office processes would work in a virtual environment. And they don't at all. Um, you know, we realized, you know, when we had an office that if a client would come pick up their tax return, they would be doing three and four things in one meeting, three or four steps to a process. And when we tried to do that virtually, we would mess things up and not, you know, forget to tell the client something. So we had to map out that the time that client came and sat down in front of us in an office was actually a four-step process. And, and here's the priority order and that they have to go in. And so we had to then start guiding the client through those processes. So, um, and virtual brings other benefits, right? You can serve anybody anywhere. You can find team members anywhere. Uh, but it also brings a blindness that you have to accommodate for by really having some very overt processes built, tracking systems, workflow systems. You have to have a project manager that's really on top of this work, that's seeing the flow of work. Because um, you have to keep your eye on the flow uh, of all the work for the client so you can take care of them. So. Uh, just the invisibility is probably the hardest thing that you're always trying to accommodate for. Yeah, I, I, I do think uh, that also being virtual for you guys has its benefits as far as documentation, because when you are virtual, a lot of things are done online, and there's always some documentation there. Um, Jason, I want to thank you again. This has been another great episode. I want to thank you for your time, Jason, if you could. Please tell these folks what the name of your podcast is, how they can find you, your website address. Give them all the information you can about Blummer CPAs right now. Yeah. So um, the best way to find us is to uh, go to BlummerCPAs.com. And that's basically, um, you know, not a lot of people can spell spell <laughs> our name, but it's, B, it's B-L-U-M-E-R. C-P-A-S.com, B-L-U-M-E-R-C-P-A-S.com. You can also find that same handle on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and if you want to hear our podcast, it's at businessology.biz, which is the word business, B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S, and then O-L-O-G-Y, ology.biz. Um, you can find us there. We have four years of history on that podcast there where we interview agency owners. Um, and of course, you can follow me on Twitter, Jason M. Blummer. And I, a lot of my content gets posted at Jason M. Blummer. Uh, of course, you can hook up with me on LinkedIn too if you want. So I'm there. Man, he's everywhere, man. And that's some good stuff. If you feel this podcast has been a help to you or could be a help to others, please don't forget to subscribe. You can listen to our podcast anywhere iHeart, Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And this episode is also going to be available on YouTube. To catch up on past episodes, go to heyimeric.com, or you can always text me at 843-483-1555. This podcast is brought to you by VIP Marketing and Advertising. Hey, it's Eric from the AdCast, and I want to tell you about our sponsor, VIP Marketing, today. Now, you may hear all this talk about every agency is the best. The truth is, none are. But what you want is you want to definitely partner with some people that have time, team, and talent. And they got it. To learn more about VIP marketing, go to veryimportantplacement.com.